Wow, we have a lot of children, right? Amen. That's exciting. Allow me to pray first. Our Father, I, um, I thank you for this opportunity to stand before the saints of Grace Waldorf. And Lord, I, I never take this responsibility lightly. So Lord, I come before you asking that you would um, anoint my lips. I thank you for the men who prayed for me uh, this week and this morning. But I pray, Lord, that I would um, honor your word, that I would handle your word correctly, and Lord, that you would be glorified and that we would walk out of here this morning um, just maybe loving you just a little bit more than we loved you when we first came in. Because we do love you, Lord, and uh, we really thank you for this opportunity now to come before you and uh, to worship you. I just commit this time now in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as we continue this series on biblical leadership and how to lead God's church, we've already looked at biblical elders. We looked at their qualifications. We look at their roles as shepherds. As a matter of fact, we've actually commissioned several elders in the past month, and we hope to commission a few more uh, by the end of the year. But part of God's leadership in the church not only includes elders, but includes deacons as well. Last Sunday, Pastor Shepard did a tremendous job uh, kicking off the next segment of the series by looking at deacons. He looked at the, uh, the first deacons of the church, and, and specifically Stephen. And folks, we know the story, right? We know the story. The church in Jerusalem was growing bigger and bigger every single day. People heard about Jesus. They were telling others about Jesus. And soon hundreds Thousands of people um, were, were giving their lives to Jesus and, and were, were getting baptized. Acts 2.47 said that the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were getting saved. What a great time in the history of the church. It was exploding. Of course, that means the elders, the apostles, were extremely busy. I mean, they were overworked. I mean, they were praying, they were preaching, they were teaching, and every day telling people who wanted to know more about this man called Jesus. You know, the apostles could perform miracles, but one thing they couldn't do is to add another hour to the day. There's only 24 hours in a day. And the elders found out very quickly that shepherding the flock of God is a full-time job. It's, it's a full-time um, position with a lot of responsibility. Now, we know the shepherds are responsible for disseminating spiritual food, but also physical food as well to include many, many physical needs. And they realized in order to grow this thing called the church, the elders must focus their time on, on praying, on teaching, and on preaching. And being wise, they chose seven men, faithful, full of the Spirit, to assist them, specifically in the distribution of the food to the Hellenistic widows who were not getting the proper um, food. They made a decision. They delegated. This week, we're going to look at a, another prominent deacon 
called Philip. Philip the Evangelist. And as we look at Philip, we're going to focus today on Acts chapter 8, primarily verses 26 through 40. And we're going to read uh, those verses. But before we go there, I think it's important to take a look at the first six verses in chapter uh, 8 so we can kind of get some context here. I can get this to work. All right. And Saul approved of his execution. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. They were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church. Entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. And they heard him and they saw the signs that he did. Now, after the stoning of Stephen, we see that, the, um, that there's serious persecution within the church. And, and, and the Christians were scattered everywhere. And we see that Philip went down to a city of Samaria and preached Christ. But not only did he preach Christ, he preached Christ with great success, the scripture says. Now, however, despite Philip's uh, success in Samaria, God had other plans for Philip. God had other plans for Philip because he was called away from that successful work uh, to a desert road to meet an Ethiopian eunuch. Now, we're going to take a look at what occurred because um, it's very significant. So what I'd like to do is to take a look at and read the entire verses from 26 through 40. We'll take a moment. I just think it's important. And then we'll break it down and talk about those verses. Starting in uh, Acts chapter 8, 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and he went. There was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. And was a... Apologize here. Guys, can we go back one? And he was returning, sitting in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth. And beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. 
And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. The eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. He replied, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stop. And they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he was baptized. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus. And as he passed through the... As he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Oftentimes, when we think of evangelism, I think the general thought that runs through our minds is that evangelism is like a crusade, like a special event, something like like a Billy Graham would do. And by the way, yes, Crusades are very, very successful. However, however, most evangelism does not happen that way. It takes place in normal activities uh, with normal people seizing opportunities that the Lord gives us. Now, we know that Philip was one of the first deacons, and we know that he was used to distribute food to the widows. But like any deacon or any believer for that matter, we need to be open to God's leading in our lives. And sometimes we need to listen. Now, let me back up. We always need to listen. All right? We need to listen and we need to obey. In the passage of scripture that I just read, I see six steps that Philip did that I think are, were instrumental uh, for Philip and could be instrumental for us. And, I wanna, and we'll go through them very quickly. First is, and I'm going to start with a bang here, answering God with obedience. In verse 26, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, Gaza is one of five um, principal cities of the Philistines. And the road from Jerusalem to Egypt ran through old Gaza, which had been destroyed many years ago. However, we see that God intervened in Philip's life by sending him an angel to give him instructions to travel down that road to Gaza. I find this interesting because it's a desert road. There's actually two roads that led out of Jerusalem to Egypt, and Philip was told to travel down the road less traveled. Interesting. So oftentimes, um, God tells us to travel down the road less traveled in life, doesn't he? And I think the reason he does that is oftentimes he will bring us divine appointments or, or God encounters when we do that. And we see that Philip is about to meet the eunuch. And this is no chance encounter. It's one that takes place on a side road, a desert road, not traveled by the majority of people. This is a divine appointment. As we know, he starts out, he meets a eunuch, an important official, right, in charge of the treasury of Candace, who is the queen of the Ethiopians. All right? This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading from the prophet Isaiah. Now, he's a key point here, very key point here. When Philip received the word from the angel, he was obedient because he starts out on his way to Gaza, where he, the record shows that he met the eunuch. But why is this important? Think about this. 
Had Philip not set out when he heard this from the angel, he would have missed that God encounter. He would have missed that divine appointment. How often do we procrastinate when God has spoken to us? How many opportunities do we miss uh, as a result of not being tuned in to the Holy Spirit? How often do we quench the Spirit? Folks, I believe, I believe God uses people who are on the move, not sitting still. In the Gospels, Jesus was not sitting still holding court. No, he was actively pursuing people. He was actively changing people. Jesus was intentional. And I believe this with all my heart. If we want to see God unleashed in our community, we need to get out into the community and reach those people. I, I love it when people come to the church, but we need to go out and bring them in. I think it's great to have ministries here, but we also need to go out. One of the ministry events we did several years ago that I so enjoyed was Reach Week. Remember, remember that? We went out into the community. We gave coffee out at the parking rides. We did a lot of cool things. I got to tell you, I was excited about it, but it made me nervous. It stretched me. It really did. Because I'd rather, I'm more of an introvert, believe it or not, but it really stretched me. I remember my first pastor's conference 20 years ago up at Sandy Cove. I was driving up with Pastor Bill Holt. And the second day, they gave us an assignment to team up with two other pastors, preferably guys you don't really know, and to go out into the community and strike up conversations. If I had not driven up a Bill Holt, I would have driven home. Seriously. I'm like, I was, I was ready to call my wife and say, I don't, want to be, I don't want to be a pastor here. Okay? This is hard. I was nervous. I was a wreck. But we went out. And we went to the Walmart um, parking lot. Now, look, I hate Walmart anyway. All right? So now I'm in the parking lot, three men trying to strike up conversations. And we had to be careful. So we went to a number of people asking, can we pray for you? I was blown away by the number of folks who said, yes. We spent four hours in the parking lot, and we had multiple conversations. Now, there are some people who wanted nothing to do with us, but we actually had an opportunity to share our faith. It was cool. We were stretched, and I loved it. I loved it. But you know what? I found out this. There are people who really are seeking God out there. They really want to know the truth. Right? The Ethiopian eunuch was a true seeker. He had gone to Jerusalem to worship, so he was ready to know and receive the truth. We must be obedient. We cannot quench the Holy Spirit. We also need to realize that relationships open doors. Relationships open doors. You know, the best way to reach someone it's not through the mail. It's not putting a gospel track on the windshield of their car. It's not having a cute, pithy church sign. All those things are fine. We've done all those things. But you know what? If you really want to reach someone, if you really want to have a close encounter of the godly kind, you must build a relationship with someone. It's just that simple. Listen, we are Christ's ambassadors. 
And the definition of an ambassador is simply this. It's, it's a person who acts as a representative or a promoter of a specified activity. As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're all representatives of Jesus. Some are good, some are not. But we're all representatives of Christ Jesus. We have to remember that. Verses 29 to 30 says, And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. Now, I have read this verse uh, these many, many, many times in my life. For some reason, in my mind, I had the chariot stopped. I, I don't know why the scriptures doesn't say that. So actually the chariot is traveling down this road and this man called Philip is running alongside the chariot as the eunuch is reading from Isaiah. But Philip, being obedient to the original instructions, now receives further instructions from the Spirit. So if you use what the Lord has already given you, being obedient to his call, right? This prepares us to receive further instructions will sometimes open up additional opportunities. Again, Philip was obedient. Look, he could have reasoned with himself. He could have said, whoa, wait a minute. No, 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 no. This guy's an Ethiopian. I'm Jewish. We have a culture issue. We have a race issue. Or he could have said, you know what? He's rich and I'm poor. We have a socioeconomic issue. I mean, this eunuch was obviously um, with the entourage. Um, he could have said, you know, he's a very important official. He's reading. I am not going to bother him. He could have said all those things. But Philip did not make any excuses. He did not use race, riches, or reading as an excuse. He was just obedient. And I know for me, in my own walk, I find that obedience often leads to abundance. And I'm talking about an abundance of life, an abundance of joy. I believe if you want an abundant life, we just have to get going. We have to respond by what the Lord is instructing us to do. And when we do this, God rewards us. He's, he's just, he blesses us. As Philip is going, God has opened a door for evangelism on the run. Now, as a lifelong runner, I have to confess, I've never encountered a chariot in my life, okay? And I'm not sure what I would do, but I'm thankful that Philip knew. Also, the right questions will open doors. Have you ever wanted to share the gospel, share your faith, but you really didn't know how to open up that conversation? You didn't, know, you didn't know what to say. I mean, sometimes we have to learn how to ask the right question. When the right question is asked, it opens the door for an invitation for further explanation. Philip asked a man what he was reading. And look how the eunuch responded. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So what did he do? He invited Philip to sit with him and look what the eunuch was reading. All right, again, let me read this to you. It says, like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. 
and his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. My word, folks, you talk about an opening. I mean, how exciting, how cool is it when someone asks you to share more about the gospel or share more about God's word? What a cool opening. This is called low-hanging fruit, all right? A simple question, a simple question led to an invitation to come up and share God's word with them. We have to earn the right to be heard. What do I mean by this? The eunuch asked asked Philip, tell me, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? What did Philip do? He took that very same scripture he was reading and used it to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Folks, it has to be spirit-led, but to be effective, we also have to know what we're talking about. 1 Peter 3.15 says, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks for a reason for the hope that is in you. I'm going to share a story that I'm not overly proud of, but I was raised in a church that had a works-based theology. Um, It wasn't until I was 37, 38, where I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, either in S2 or S3, I don't remember the room. Um, Pastor Tom Gill, was one uh, associate pastor here, uh, led me to the Lord. I always, before I was saved, I, I, just, I just didn't know how good I had to be to inherit heaven. I didn't think anyone could absolutely know without a shadow of a doubt that they could spend eternal, eternity with Christ. After I received Jesus Christ, I mean, literally, I was on cloud nine. It changed me, and I just couldn't wait to go back to my hometown in Connecticut and share the good news with my mother, right? So far, good? I'm not being funny. I'm not trying to make this up. But I could write a book on how not to share the gospel. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I went to Connecticut. Well, first, the best way to describe what I did, did was, I was, complete, I was a complete and utter jerk. All right? I met my mother at a family function. I attacked her religion. I attacked her church. I attacked her faith. I did this with all my brothers around. Oh, I also told her she was going to hell. (laughs) Yeah, you know? It was so bad that two months later, one of my brothers came down with his wife and took my daughters out asking and asked them questions. Are you okay? How are your parents treating you? They thought I was in a cult. right. So I went back to Maryland, and I shared that experience with Pastor Gill. He lovingly rebuked me, and then he taught me. At that time, we were going through a really cool series called Evangelism Explosion, a series where you learn how to share the gospel, you learn certain um, scripture verses, how to answer questions. It was a 12-week course, I believe. I took it twice, all right? And it changed my life forever. We need to have evangelism training in this church, Yeah, 
And guess what? It's happening. Here's a promise. It's already in the works. It will happen come September to include evangelism, explosion, and other methods of learning how to share our faith. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. We have to earn the right to be heard. Number five, fulfilling the Great Commission. Look at verses 36. Well, I'll read verses 36 through 38. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop. They both went down into the water and Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. So after explaining the gospel, I think we could read between the lines, all right, that the Ethiopian eunuch received Jesus Christ because we saw his eagerness to be baptized. And what did Philip do? Baptized him. It's immediate. Right? Philip was fulfilling the Great Commission to go make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Baptism doesn't save us, but it should be the next step after we receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I have nothing against baptism studies, but sometimes, you know what, we just need to be obedient and get baptized. So here's my last commercial in this sermon. If anyone needs to be baptized, see one of the elders. We would love to make that happen. Last point. The hard one. Be ready to be flexible. When they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went away rejoicing. You know, the kingdom, the task of the kingdom is so great that sometimes we just don't have an opportunity to stop and just rejoice with one victory because the Lord has another job for us to do. This was the case with Philip. He was immediately moved by the Spirit from one location to another to answer the call from God. Flexibility is a key component in the ministry. Flexibility will allow us to see our delight in the Lord. <clears throat> Look at Philip. He was appointed to assist in the distribution of food to the widows. However, his circumstances changed, and he had an opportunity to serve God in a different way. He needed to be flexible, flexible, and I believe he was. And it changed Philip's life forever, for eternity. Right? This encounter with the eunuch completely changed him, completely changed him. You know what? If we want to grow in our faith, if we want to grow in our relationship with God, we, we have to be willing to be stretched. Because when we're, when we're stretched, God can use us and he will give us opportunities. My first ministry of this church was to cut grass. If someone told me that 20 plus years from now I'd be preaching a sermon, I would have died on the soccer field, right? <laughs> being stretched, being flexible. Philip, I'm sorry, by being flexible, we're able to see how others can help and challenge us. 
Philip was flexible, and God used him and changed this eunuch's life for eternity, for eternity. Think about this. Historians believe that this eunuch went on to be a missionary to the Ethiopians, and, tra and tradition has that his first convert was the queen herself. Later on, missionaries went to Ethiopia, and they found a thriving church started by this eunuch. Wow, you talk about getting a fraction of the action with Philip. Wow, he was flexible. He was obedient. And God blessed him, and God blessed many, many others. Philip was learning that circumstances and even location have little to do with our purpose in life. All that matters, my friends, is simply this, that we understand and we do the Spirit's work. But you know what? Sometimes life will deal a bad blow. And we think, I lost my ministry or I can't do ministry. I don't know how to do ministry. I'm useless to the Lord. That's a lie. That is a lie. Are you ready to go, even if you don't know what the battle plan is? Good. Are you ready to start on a mission, even if the, if the details aren't spelled out? Are you willing to take a leap of faith? Are you willing to be stretched? Are you willing to be blessed? Last Sunday, the deacons met with the elders, us, and we had a working lunch. We met for about three hours. And the main objective of that meeting was to help the deacons find a place to serve using their gifts. And I know I can speak for all the elders. We came away so encouraged, so encouraged with the attitude of our deacons. They were willing to serve wherever the body needed them. It was amazing. I got to tell you, I've been here for a long time, and I think um, we have a lot of work to do. Let's be honest. But I'm excited. God's doing something here. He really is. God is doing something here. And uh, I, I, I appreciate the attitude. I appreciate the flexibility of the deacons and many of you. And God's going to do something. I say this all the time. I know. We're better together. We really are better Together, when we work together, we become stronger. We become healthier. We live and love like Jesus, and we, help, and we help others to do the same. We've got to reach our community for Christ. Every single day, there are people dying, not knowing our Savior. They're going to spend eternity separated from God. Does that motivate you? It has to motivate us. People are dying every day. I love Philip. You know, years ago, one of the ministries we had in this church was Philip Ministers, who, and I was a Philip Minister like 25 years ago, and, and Steve Colignan and others, and it was really cool, uh, Ed Gorham and others, we had a chance to go out and, and to share our faith. And it was so much fun sharing our faith and seeing people come to the Lord. It's so exciting. Back in the, for those of you who've been here for a long time, like Mike, we used to have like a candle, and every week when someone came to the Lord, it was lit. That's a, I would love to see that, all right? That's exciting. That's exciting, you know? I love the gospel. We need to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thought 
since we're talking about Philip, talking about the gospel, that this would be a good Sunday to partake of the bread and cup. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 8, now I, remind, now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand, by which you're being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, the some may have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, last of all, as the one untimely born, he appeared also to me.